All opinions expressed by the host or guests are their own and are not endorsed by either radio station KRLV Management or any of their advertisers. It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. It's Sunday, it's Sunday night, night. It's, time. it's time for Sports, sports. Fox, Sports, Fox sports Radio, Radio Las, Vegas. Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby and, and Brian, Brian with you here, with you here in, in Sin City, Sin Las, City Vegas. Las Vegas. My co-host, co-host as, always, as always, East Coast, East Coast. Tom Barton, Tom Barton sports. Sports. Com. Mr. Tommy Barton. Barton. And Tom, and Tom you said you it, said we, have we have plenty to talk, to talk about, tonight. about tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know. I was chomping at the bit. I texted you last night. I was I was ready to go, and I said, oh, man, we have off. You know, unfortunately, it's one of those weekends where, you know, as a sports talk host, as a sports talk listener, this is just a, an ideal weekend to unwrap not only the games that did happen and the games that's going to come up, but also, you know, we have to unwrap a little bit of history here. We have to unwrap what what is unfolded. We're living in a time where we understand what we're watching is just historic. What we're watching, we're going to be talking about not just next week. We're not going to be talking about this just next year. This is going to be something we're talking about in five, ten years from now. We're going to be talking about this when we're talking about Hall of Fame and and uh, legacies are on the line. This is the cool stuff. This is the thing that really great sports talk radio is made of. Well, we're down, we're to, down the to the final four, four. <coughs> in, the in the NFL playoffs, playoffs. And, and we weren't on, we're last, on night, last night. So, so why don't we talk, why don't about, we talk the about the teams? That- Advanced through last, last night, Tom, and we'll get to we'll Sunday's, get to Sunday's game, game. And you know, look, you know, look the 49ers, 49ers dispatched so the Packers will start, start there. Yeah, look, I am smiling from ear to ear. It is uh, everything that I've been telling you. I mean, you know, there are people out there that, um, you know, they're jumping all of a sudden. It feels like all of a sudden. Being anti-Aaron Rodgers is like the cool thing to do, right? Everybody in the media is suddenly, seemingly anti-Aaron Rodgers. And they're starting to go, wait a minute, whoa, 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 he's, he's a bad teammate? He's, he's not a great guy? Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, he chokes in the playoffs? This is all things that I've been talking about since we've been on the air, Tim. Since we've been on the air when we used to sit back and be on the air with Ron Natty. I used to sit back and talk about this 10 years ago. That what I watched in Aaron Rodgers, and it's coming to fruition. Now, I did a video at Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. You guys can go check that out just a couple of weeks ago. Basically saying, here we go once again. Look, it is not that Aaron Rodgers doesn't win, okay? It is how his teams are constructed. Look, if he had bad teams, it's one thing. His teams, year after year after year, are superior teams coming into the preseason. They go out there and they win all kinds of regular season games. As a matter of fact, they now have set the record this year for the most three-year span wins in a three-year span for consecutive games. Uh, you're talking about 39 games in three years without a Super Bowl appearance, not even a win, okay, an appearance. This is what Aaron Rodgers' entire career is made of. It is made up of failures, Loss in the divisional round in 2012. Loss in the divisional round in 2013. Loss in the NFC wildcard game. 
loss in the NFC Championship game, loss in the NFC Divisional game, loss in the Championship game in 2017, loss in 2020, loss in 2021, loss in 2022. His resume is littered with losses. You know, Tom Brady went home today. Tom Brady has 35 wins in the playoffs and one more loss than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Tom Brady, had he won that game today, would have had the same amount of playoff wins uh, in his career in the NFC as Aaron Rodgers did in his entire career. So his teams are supposed to be good. His teams are regular season very good. And then he goes out there and he performs smallest in the biggest spots. And the, the thing is, is you know, I, I actually almost feel bad for Aaron Rodgers in a way because it's his fan base that it's his fan base and the media that has propelled him to a point of where we're sitting back and, and kind of hating on Aaron Rodgers. Because if Aaron Rodgers was just considered, you know, a good, great yeah, Hall of Fame quarterback, that's one thing. But Aaron Rodgers' backers, since 10 years ago, have tried to put him up to a level of the greatest of the greats. It's laughable to them in his own organization to be compared to Brett Favre, who Brett Favre is more accomplished. It is laughable to put him up to guys when I say, you know what, I, I would take Drew Brees over him. Why not? they got the same amount of rings. Brees has more passing records. Oh, that's laughable to Green Bay Packer fans. The only comparison that Green Bay Packer fans want to have is, against, is, is with Tom Brady, and it, it's a joke. I mean, it's an absolute joke. So, once again, Aaron Rodgers comes up small. I don't want to hear about the kicking game. Yes, the kicking game certainly was an impact. I don't want to hear about coaching because, yeah, maybe he had a couple of bonehead coaching moves, but overall, yesterday, uh, Matt LaFleur was what I've watched all year, which is, you know, pulling the right buttons and doing the right things. I don't want to hear about drop passes. Were there a couple of, of you know, maybe drop passes that, that could have happened? Sure, but overall, he had the same kind of team. I don't want to hear about a bad offensive line. His offensive line ranked top 10 in the league this year. I don't want to hear about a, a defense. Oh, Aaron Rodgers never has a defense. If Aaron Rodgers ever had a defense that held another team to, to one touch, Touchdown, right? Um, we heard that for years. Well, Aaron Rodgers had that. He had everything in front of him once again. He had home field once again. And Aaron Rodgers went out there, Tim, and he threw zero interceptions, uh, zero touchdowns. Zero. You cannot be considered the greatest of all time. You can't be a back to back MVP, which you likely will do. You can't have the entire state of Wisconsin anoint you as the greatest quarterback in the history of quarterbacks and go out there and throw zero touchdown passes and expect to advance. And that was zero touchdown passes against a mediocre San Francisco defense. Let's not act like they were a top 10 unit. And a defensive backfield that is one of the worst in the league. And in the last five minutes on when Green Bay had the ball, they lost their number one defensive back off of a bad unit. Aaron Rodgers kept looking to the sky, and, and Troy Aikman mentioned this, and Joe Buck did. He was mad, mad that he missed throws, mad that he was overthrowing guys, mad that he couldn't get connect. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers once again choked it away. Aaron Rodgers' career is mired in choking games away. That's what he's going to be known for, Tim. So once again, the Packers are out. I am not surprised. I have said this for, for years. As a matter of fact, our buddy Rob Mish put me in his book, Okay, when he has a section about Tom Barton and his book, he did, and he did this a couple years ago. And one of the knocks that he says on there is, I don't always agree with his takes on, on you know, the Green Bay Packers and specifically Aaron Rodgers. I've been saying it for years, Tim. 
I don't know why everybody's so shocked that all of a sudden, bad guy, bad teammate, guy that chokes in the playoffs, became a bad guy, a bad teammate this year, and he choked in the playoffs. Yeah, and he almost got away with it, Tom. And when you really think about the way this game was going, block punt, return for a touchdown, just sways the whole. Uh, momentum, momentum of the game, and then he has to go out and be the MVP, MVP right in the field. He failed at it. So other than so that other opening than that drive, drives, beginning of the game, he did nothing, he did the, nothing rest the rest of the way. Out. Nothing. Nothing. No, and here's the thing. You know, I would be, oh, it would be fair of me to ask Aaron Rodgers to go out there, throw for 275 or 300 yards, throw for three or four touchdowns. It would be fair of me to expect the back-to-back MVP to go out there and put this team on his shoulders at home against a very weak defensive backfield of San Francisco and go out there and do that. That's not even what I'm asking. That's not what I was asking. It would be fine if I asked that, if I expected that from the two-time MVP. It would be fine if I expected that from the best player, the most talented quarterback of all time. It would be fine, but I didn't ask for that. What I asked for is get one touchdown. One. Throw one touchdown in that game, Tim. One. And we're having a different conversation today. If Aaron Rodgers threw one good pass, one touchdown, we're having a completely different conversation. And oh, by the way, he only threw for like 225. One of them was on a complete broken play where they just lost Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones went for more than 50 yards. If not, the guy doesn't throw for 200 yards. Aaron Rodgers had a horrific day. And you're right. It's always something else. It's always, well, the defense this, or the problems that, or the offensive line this. It's always something else. Instead, this time now, it's, well, the special teams. This game will be remembered as, ah, you know what, there's a lot of special teams out there. You wrote now our chat before even the special teams. Oh, you know what, people are going to complain about the weather, right? It's always deflect, deflect, deflect with Aaron Rodgers. Guys, he didn't throw a touchdown in his game at home where they were the number one seed on a bye week against a team that backed into the playoffs with a weakened defensive backfield. There's no way around it. Aaron Rodgers choked. So before we talk about the Niners, let's close the book on the Packers for this year. The big questions are, Rodgers come back, Adams come back, Adams come back, I don't think either one of them do. You heard the interview afterwards, and Aaron Rodgers was typical Aaron Rodgers, you know, as I want to say almost surly, almost dismissive, but you were able to listen through it. There were even the most adamant Green Bay fans, you know, filling up my Twitter page, and you guys could go check it out over at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. And they're filling up my Twitter page, and they're going, yeah, he's gone. <clears throat> you know, he's gone. He basically said, look, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. I don't know why anybody would be talking about a rebuild. Had the most wins, regular season wins, three years in a row, right? He said, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. Okay, Aaron, we, we get it. You're not. Don't worry. Um... And, and anything short of just being like, look, this is my last hurrah, guys. I'm leaving. If he would have said that, it wouldn't have shocked me with the tone of it. I think he's 100% gone. I think there's no way Aaron Rodgers comes back. Now, Devontae Adams, I think he'd be silly to come back. It doesn't make any sense. I think that we understand Devontae Adams is a tremendous, tremendous wide receiver. But the downfall of Jordan Love is very obvious to everybody. And look, how Matt LaFleur wants to play. I don't think that Green Bay is going to fall off the map. Not because I, I believe that Jordan Love is good, but because Matt LaFleur comes in. The way that he wants to play this game, 
is he wants to run the ball. With Jones, that's why they gave him an extension. With A.G. Dillon, that's why they went out there and drafted him. With a defense-style the ball, play physical. That's what they want. They started thinking about life after Aaron two years ago. And Matt LaFleur came in, and he started to think about life after Aaron. But life after Aaron, everybody just assumes is Jordan Love. Life after Aaron is more run the ball, play good defense, and that's how we're going to get wins. It would be silly for Adams to come back. I don't think he does, and I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers will be gone. He did say he's going to try to make a decision uh, before free agency begins. So in short order here, we're going to kind of know. you you got to think that there's no way that the Green Bay Packers don't go into the draft knowing Aaron Rodgers' status. So we're entering February next week, okay? The draft is in late April. So he's got February and March, maybe some April to decide. I don't think, as much as I think Aaron Rodgers is a jerk, I don't think he's going to burn bridges so bad to get, let it go into kind of draft season. So I think, look, I think we got about eight, nine weeks to find out about Aaron Rodgers here. Today, Tommy, Tommy I, I was at my, my daughter's, daughter's birthday party, party, which I know yours is coming up as well. As well. And, and shooting shoot the, the uh, proverbial, you know what? You know what? And we were talking, we're about, talking Aaron about Aaron Rodgers. Rogers. And the and question was floated to me. To me. Like, does he wear does Raiders, he wear Raiders uniform next year? And does Adams, does Adams join him? Uh, no and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers, despite all, <laughs> despite all the, the the hatred that I have for him, you know, I've called LeBron James the most ignorant athlete I've ever encountered, covering sports for. 20-something years here, he is the most ignorant athlete I have ever, ever encountered. And I'm talking about, uh, you know, guys that believe that the earth was flat and stuff, right? (laughs) Remember those guys. So I've called him that. I've called Aaron Rodgers a lot of things, okay? I think he's surly. I think he's not a nice guy. I think he's a bad teammate. He might be a bad overall dude. But he's an intelligent guy. I've never thought that he wasn't intelligent, you can see it by his interviews. You can see it the way he conducts himself. He's an intelligent man. He would be stupid to go to the Raiders. The Raiders, he walks into, do you want to walk into a division, Tim, to finish out your career? Walk into a division where you have to overtake Patrick Mahomes. In order to get home field, you have to overtake Patrick Mahomes. In order to get home field, not only do you have to take overtake Patrick Mahomes, oh, wait a minute, you also have to overtake Justin Herbert. And you have your choice. If you decided to go into that, if you decided to, you want to go head-to-head twice a year with Patrick Mahomes, put your legacy even more on the line, because now everyone's going to judge Aaron Rodgers what he does next, right? Well, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't win the division, all of a sudden, well, Aaron Rodgers uh, you know, Protestant of Green Bay kind of thing. And if you did, if you had a choice, Raiders fans, this is going to be a tough one to swallow. If you had a choice between Denver and and Raiders, you're taking Denver all day long. Denver has a dynamic young running back who's better than Jacobs. Denver has three wide receivers that are already signed long-term. They're young, they're signed long-term. They already have a defense in place where young pieces are in place and they are in a position, the Denver Broncos, you could say, well, the Raiders have, you know, Josh Jacobs. No, uh, look, he, he's not quite, you know, Williams. Uh, well, the, the the Raiders have some receivers. No, they don't. He would have to bring in Adams and he'd be dealing with Adams and a slew of who, you know, Hunter Renfro is a solid, really solid player. 
but he's not looked at as that building block. You do have Waller, which is good. Look, they have Noah Fant, who is a solid player. And then you look at what what will they do? How will they kind of embrace it? Look, the Raiders are an iconic franchise. The Raiders are the Raiders um, for who they are. They are a fan base. They are a notion. The Raiders, this is just heaping praise on the Raiders are that universal brand. No matter what Aaron Rodgers does for the Raiders, he'll never be the best quarterback to play for the Raiders. No matter what happens in his legacy, the Raiders fans will love him. They'll love him short term, and he'll be the Las Vegas Raiders kind of thing. But wouldn't you want to go to Denver, Tim? Denver where you know you're in that quarterback lineage of Elway, Manning, and, and here we go, Aaron Rodgers. You've watched what happened. What happened to Peyton Manning, who was in the same position as you? Big-time regular season quarterback, lots of wins during the regular year, but, you know, he had that caveat. He only had that one ring. Go to Denver. Now, all of a sudden, we talk about Peyton Manning in a different light. Oh, so we've watched it happen there. I think that the Raiders will have a hard time, because Mark Davis is such a, a big-time owner, I think they're going to have a hard time Going down to Aaron Rodgers and asking him, hey, what do you think about this free agent? What do you think about that? Giving him that kind of control. I don't think Denver has any problem with that because even John Elway was able to do it with Peyton Manning. So, you know, I, I think both jobs are not good and not a fit for Aaron Rodgers. If I'm looking at this, I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers. I'm going, why would you not go to Pittsburgh? You walk into a position with a top five defense. You walk into a position with a, a running back that's maybe the best running back in the league outside of Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, right? You could argue that Najee Harris is the best running back in the league. You have Deontay Johnson. You have, you know, Chase Claypool. Um, you look at, uh, you know, Pat Fairfairmouth. I mean, they have a lot to work with there. And you have Mike Tomlin. Pittsburgh makes the most sense. But if you're talking about Raiders, uh, you know, or Denver, look, I'm even taking Denver over the Raiders, even though I think both of those spots is not a great spot for him. You don't, you don't, you don't think you because, don't think of, the because of the egos associated, associated there, there and Devontae Adams, 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 Adams a package deal would, would work there? Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it would. But I don't see Aaron Rodgers. Look, Tim, what do we know about Aaron Rodgers throughout his career? He's not exactly the most loyal guy. He's not the, you know, he's not a guy that goes, you know what, family above everything. Clearly not. He's not a guy that goes, teammates above everything. Clearly not. So, I think he's got a friendship with Devontae Adams, and I think it goes only goes so deep. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is about one person. He's always been about one person. He's about Aaron Rodgers. So it's nice to speculate. Hey, me and Devontae will come in there. It's nice to to get into that conversation. But the reality is, Aaron Rodgers is about Aaron Rodgers, and he wants to be. All about Aaron Rodgers. That's what he wants. I also question the the idea that to think that a team can fit both of them under the salary cap and then go get the pieces. Look, if you're going to go out there and get Adams and Rodgers, you, the rest of your team better be completely solid. You, you don't need anything. Well, the Raiders need a lot more than just a quarterback and a wide receiver. Well, the quarterback, you throw Aaron Rodgers on the Raiders, do they make the playoffs? Yes. Tim, do they make the divi- do they win the division? I don't know. Maybe Probably not. not. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know. So, they still have some work to do. Denver Denver reminds me of what Tampa was a couple of years ago, where the entire team, the uh, units, every unit is solid, everything is good. They don't really need anything except 
a coach and a QB. And all of a sudden, you know, Brady walked in and looks at, look at what they have. Denver reminds me of that. Pittsburgh, he wouldn't need to bring Devontae Adams to Pittsburgh if he decided to go that route. If you look at a team, you know, I, I keep hearing a lot of speculation, a lot of probably Tennessee fans pushing, a lot of people talking about Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee makes a lot of sense. He walks in with Julio. He walks in with A.J. Brown. He's got Derrick Henry. He's got a great offensive line, a good defense. Well, that makes sense if they're able to kind of package off Ryan Tannehill. So there, there's, there are some interesting notions. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, and obviously me and Aaron Rodgers uh, probably disagree on just about everything, um, <laughs> you know, when it comes to football here. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I, I'm staying in the NFC, though. You have an NFC where... You know, in the NFC East, Dak Prescott is is the guy. All right, I'm better than him. I walk into a team, I'm, I'm immediately better than him. Okay? You walk into an NFC where Tom Brady, he might retire. We'll get into it later in the show. He, he might be gone. Okay? The Saints are still rebuilding, even though Sean Payton's good. And, you know, Breeze just left. So I got to deal with the NFC West. The NFC West where I, I'm better than Stafford. Okay? Kyler Murray, I, I'm definitely better than him. I mean, Aaron Rodgers looks at the rest of the NFC and goes, okay, there's a bunch of older guys, there's a bunch of guys that probably a little overrated, and you could dominate the NFC if you go to an NFC team. You go to an AFC team, you're dealing with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Just watching that game, I would run away from the AFC. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, healthy Lamar Jackson is still an MVP candidate. I just won it a couple of years ago, right? Justin Herbert's up and coming. You never know what Trevor Lawrence. You never know what maybe what the Jets have, right? I, I mean, with Wilson. You never know with a lot of this situation. And you go, yeah, the AFC is just brutal. Not only now, for, but for the next 10 years, the AFC looks absolutely brutal. I, I don't want to finish off my career getting to the AFC championship having to go through Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes year after year oh what about Joe Burrow you know so Aaron Rodgers I gotta I gotta finish off my championship years go through Burrow go through Herbert go through Mahomes go through Josh Allen or do like Brady did and go in and immediately jump onto the Tampa Bay and go I'm the best uh, quarterback in, in this entire conference and that's exactly what Tom Brady did let's look at the other Eliminated team on Saturday, the number one seed, Tennessee Titans, 12-5 and throughout the year. But yet, when it comes to the playoffs, three of the last four years gone in the first round. Last year, the Ravens. This year, now to the Bengals. They lose a 19-16 game as the one seed on a home field with Derrick Henry back. Was this on Tannehill was a bigger issue? A bigger issue, but a lot of it is on Tannehill. You know, the, the Titans knew what they had in Ryan Tannehill, and you could give him all the money in the world, but they, they knew. He's not an elite quarterback. So in order to advance, we have to do everything else fantastically well. I mean, everything else. And at the end of the day, they played great defense. Tim, they ran the ball. They got they got a bad injury with Derrick Henry, okay? Uh, but they ran the ball well enough to win. They had big plays by Julio Jones, enough to win. They had a big catch by A.J. Brown, enough to win. Their offensive line protected Ryan Tannehill, enough to win. And Ryan Tannehill, look, he played poorly, but it was almost kind of expected. The Titans played well enough to win that game. But what were they beat by? They were beat because Joe Burrow is just that good. I mean, that, that's just the end of the day. Here's the problem with Tennessee. Like I just said about the AFC, it's going to consistently happen. We live in a world now in the NFL, and a lot of a lot of new guys, a lot of young kids. I, I would say if you are, I would say if you're thirty 
33, 34, and, and under, you don't understand that quarterback play is not supposed to be this good. Right? Not not everybody in the NFL is supposed to have an elite quarterback. You were able to win with solid guys. And Ryan Tannehill is a solid guy. But everything has to go right for Ryan Tannehill to win. Coaching has to be perfect. Defense has to be perfect. Running game has to be on point. Ryan Tannehill is a guy that you just go, just don't lose us the game. Well, Ryan Tannehill made him a lot of mistakes. He lost us the game. But despite all that, they had a chance to at least go into overtime, at least uh, you know make that a game. But that was a big-time defensive mistake, right? The defense played well all game. But you can't let Jamar, of all people, you're going to let Jamar Chase get behind you for the winning field goal? No, that's ridiculous. But that's the problem. You have no room for error when you're dealing with a guy like Ryan Tannehill at the helm. The Tennessee Titans' window to win is is massively small. I know that Hilliard has looked good this year. I know Devontae Foreman looked good. Deontay Foreman, I should say, looked good. I know that this is now becoming a defensive team. Now, the reason why they're in this position is because they play in a very weak division, the weakest division in all of football, even the NFC at least would agree with that. They play in the worst division, they have great coaching, and they have Derrick Henry. Well, pretty damn soon, Derrick Henry, those you know carries are going to eat him up. And we talked about this before the year. I said, look, I think that Derrick Henry is going to miss multiple games this year because those carries eventually eat guys up. If you don't have that, now what are you? You know, if you don't have that superior running game, what are you? You're a team with a mediocre quarterback in a very easy division. But wait a minute. The Colts look like they're getting a little bit better. Jacksonville presumably will get better. Houston can't be as bad as they were. Well, all of a sudden, your division now maybe in a year or two, isn't as bad. Your defense is taking a little bit of a step back. Julio is a little bit older. And now you need that quarterback to kind of extend. If you told me Aaron Rodgers is going to Tennessee next year, I'd be a futures play on Tennessee. I think that they could win the championship because of Aaron Rodgers. You tell me Russell Wilson's going there, I'm going with them. But where they stand right now, Tim, all I look at at Tennessee next year is, yeah, they're going to have a good regular season. Derrick Henry will get his yards. Mike Vrabel is a superior coach, so he's going to eke out some nice wins. But when push comes to shove, Ryan against Patrick Mahomes is a joke. Ryan Tannehill against Joe Burrow is a joke. Ryan Tannehill against Josh Allen is a joke. Ryan Tannehill against a guy like Lamar Jackson starts to become a joke to him. And Ryan Tannehill, it, you know, with now maybe Aaron Rodgers coming there, starts to become a joke. You just can't compete when you have a guy like Ryan Tannehill up against these big-time quarterbacks. I like Brady. I, like I really do. I really I do. He's, He's done a great, done a great job. job. Three playoff appearances the last three, last three years, years, including an NFC title game appearance, which they lost to the eventual champion in Kansas City. But you're right. If they don't get him that guy, how long do you just allow yourself to be division champions to lose in the first round of the playoffs? Well, that's the thing. I mean, what... You know, what do you what do you consider success? And, and that really is the question. What does Tennessee consider success? Look at the Indianapolis Colts this year. You know, um, they were having a terrible year. Then they came back. And uh, there are Colts fans going out. Yeah, you know what? Look, look, it was a successful year. We came up short. We lost that last game. Yeah. Not, what do you consider success? If your goal in Tennessee, and, it, and my argument is, if you're the number one overall seed, this should be your only goal. If your goal is championship or bust. If your goal is we have to win not only an AFC championship, we have to win a Super Bowl. You cannot look at Ryan Tannehill and think that you could get it done with him. He's not. There are guys in this league, and this isn't a knock. Look, 
when you're drafting a quarterback, you're not only dra- you're not drafting him and going, all right, we're going to win a Super Bowl with him. It would be nice, but you're drafting him for stability. You're drafting him to win. Ryan Tannehill can win games. Ryan Tannehill can win a division for you. Ryan Tannehill cannot win a Super Bowl. And here, here's the, the crux of this all, Tim, and I've been saying this for quite some time as well. You know that. I don't think many guys in the league can win a Super Bowl. To me, right now, you have, I don't know, less than 10 for sure, probably more like seven or eight guys in the league that can win a Super Bowl. So it's not a complete knock on Ryan Daniel, but you have to understand what the expectations are. If you are okay, Tennessee, with going out there and winning divisions, maybe winning a playoff game, because look, even if they got by Cincinnati, you think that they were going to have a chance to go into, you know, a, a game against Mahomes or against Al after what we just watched? Ryan Tannehill is going to win that game? No. You can win regular season games. You can win unimportant games. You can win a division in a weak division. That's who your team is. But if you want to talk about championships, you want to talk about hoisting a Lombardi, you want to talk about Super Bowl, Tim? Yeah, Ryan Tano cannot be the guy. Tim Uncle, Tim Uncle Top, Bar, Top Bar, Sports, Sports Fox Sports Radio, Radio Las, Vegas. Las Vegas. We will, we will talk, talk Cincinnati. Cincinnati. We will we talk San Francisco, San Francisco when we get to those respective games. games. On the way back from the timeout, we'll look at the we'll two, look at two losers, losers today. today. And Tom will and guide us through Tampa and Buffalo and their offseason. What's going to happen with these two franchises? All on the other side of the break. break. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Sports Radio. Hockey fans, the race to the playoffs is heating up. Come catch Vegas take on Tampa Bay Saturday, January 29th, starting at 4 p.m. at Born and Raised on Eastern. Enjoy drink and food specials during the game, as well as tons of raffle prizes, including free lift passes from Brian Head Resort and free glass seats to catch a hockey game at T-Mobile Arena. Grab your friends and catch the game where locals go. See you at Born and Raised on Eastern. Having reliable transportation is important, and your safety is our top priority at Meineke Car Care Centers. Right now, save $50 off brake pads installed by the Meineke Total Car Care experts. Plus, they'll even guarantee the brake pads for life. Meineke, doing car care right. See your Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday, March 17th against Florida in the Flight Deck. Presented by Allegiant. The Flight Deck is where all the off-the-ice excitement happens. From the Knights Castle to the Nightline. Tickets in the Flight Deck are standing room only and include all-you-can-eat food, beer, and wine. Tickets start at just $160. Go to lvsportsnetwork.com for the link and use the promo code RADIO. Sponsored by Lerner and Rowe Injury Attorneys and West Star Credit Union. Resale and transfer are restricted. Tickets will be delivered by a mobile 48 hours before the game. Las Vegas, there's a new team in town. The team you trust is bringing you a whole new lineup. Camaro, Corvette, Silverado, and more. Our team players now say hey to Team Chevrolet and drive away with some incredible winning deals from sales to service and every mile in between. This is a whole new gear to the team you trust. Revved up and ready to roll. Now open at US 95 and Ann Road. Team Chevrolet, come play. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. 
So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash free. That's ziprecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Hunt your ticket for unforgettable fun and show-stopping performances at the 97th Annual East-West Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas. Join college football's all-stars as they descend on the new crown jewel of American sport venues. It's a gridiron battle for goodwill, benefiting patients of Shriners Children's. Preferred tickets on sale now. Don't miss your chance to see the future of football ahead of 2022 NFL Draft Day. The 97th edition of the East-West Shrine Bowl. Today's All-Stars, tomorrow's legends. Did you purchase full coverage on your auto policy? Hey, full coverage doesn't mean all coverage. I'm Justin Watkins with Battleborn Injury Lawyers, and I deal with clients all the time who are shocked to find out that full coverage means they have to pay for deductibles, medical bills, or even car payments on a totaled car. Want to know what's in your policy and what you can do to better protect yourself? Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers today at 570-9000, and we will review it with you for free. Call 570-9000. At Fantastic Indoor Swap Meet, we are very optimistic about 2021. We're Las Vegas' number one location for starting and supporting small business. In our 32 years, we have hosted the startup of over 6,500 new businesses in everything from clothing, shoes, artwork, jewelry, medical services, real estate, insurance, and photography. And we have welcomed over 16 million shoppers. Come visit Fantastic every Friday through Sunday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at 1717 South Decatur at Oki. It's fantastic. You and Buddy are enjoying your walk when... Yeah, I smell that too. <laughs> I know, don't blame it on the dog. I hear that hissing too. Maybe it's a cat. No, dude. A sulfur-like odor and hissing can be signs of a natural gas leak. Natural gas lines can be buried anywhere. If you suspect a leak, leave immediately and call 911 and Southwest Gas. Thanks, deep voice narrator. You're welcome, dude. You too, buddy. This is JT for Grimaldi's Pizzeria, cold-fired brick oven pizza, a must-have. For anyone craving great pizza, locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at GrimaldisPizzeria.com. Having reliable transportation is important, and your safety is our top priority at Meineke Car Care Centers. Right now, save $50 off brake pads installed by the Meineke Total Car Care experts. Plus, they'll even guarantee the brake pads for life. Meineke, doing car care right. Back at it, Sunday night, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. And yes, it's been a little choppy the past few weeks with the holidays and the Vegas Golden Knight games. But Tommy, I told you last night, I'm going to say it on the air, we're on the next, we're all the way through the Super Bowl. We're on both nights every weekend. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm pumped up for it. I, I'm telling you, last night, uh, I, I needed to be on the air. It was like one of those, I, I was like, I have to be on the air. You're like, oh, no, I forgot. We, we have, don't you, did you forget? We have off. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I needed, I needed to talk to people. <laughs> you need to cleanse your soul a little bit, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just watched some incredible football this weekend. Uh, just a, a far cry from the previous wildcard weekend. So, 
we've been kind of looking at, I guess when we let off the show with the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay, we've kind of gravitated towards the teams that were eliminated and really what they're looking at their offseason plans to be. So let's just kind of stay in that mode, and then we'll get to the, to the uh, two championship games next weekend. Let's start with a game we just saw, a most recent, a, just an incredible football game in KC. And, and um, talk a little bit about the, the situation that we watched, Tommy. I want you to kind of save the, the Chiefs game plan for next weekend uh, for that game, but just talk about the game in general. The Chiefs find a way to win this game, 42-36 in overtime, but just I just don't understand sometimes. I said it twice today. I said it about the Rams, and I said it about uh, the Bills, Tom. How how in these last seconds are they getting these such huge plays setting up game-winning situations or game-tying situations? And it went to Travis Kelsey. It wasn't like it went to the shocking player, right? I mean, it went Mm -hmm. to the guy that – I know that Tyreek Hill is a guy, you know, you look at and you go, well, well, Tyreek can can make things happen. Tyreek can be explosive. And Ty- you're right. Listen, you know, you're 100% right. That 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 is very true. Tra- Travis Kelsey in that spot is the shorthanded guy. He's the guy I'm doubling. I'm doubling. I'm dribbling. I, I'm, I'm going absolutely crazy here. And when he gets behind you and he's the guy, you just have to shake your head, Tim. How in the world did that happen? How in the world is he the guy that got behind the defense? How? That, that's crazy. But besides that, here's the thing that people aren't talking about today, and I, I don't know why. Look, why didn't they squib kick? 13 seconds to go, Tim. Mm-hmm. They kicked it out of the end zone. They gave Patrick Mahomes 13 seconds. 13 seconds in the NFL is a sure two plays, probably three. Okay? If you squib kick it there, if you squib kick the, the the wrong way, it's taking four to five seconds off the clock. If you squib kick the, li- the right way, so you get Patrick Mahomes with, with one play, maybe two, but no way they're getting one play running to the line. If you give Patrick Mahomes the difference between 13 seconds, guys, and eight seconds, which is about what a squib kick, usually squib kicks take off anywhere between you know four and seven seconds. So we'll say five, right? We'll say you give Patrick Mahomes the ball there, even if you squib kick it to the 40, right? Let's say you squib kick it to the 40. And Patrick Mahomes has one shot to get it into field goal range. Steps back, you know, every play takes, uh, uh, you know, three to four seconds at best. All right, so he gets four seconds. He gets them in field goal range. Now the entire offense has to run with no timeouts to get to four seconds, 40 yards downfield. Remember, uh, just do the math. They have to get 40 yards now, these offensive linemen, in a 4-4-40, right? I mean, that's a great time. They got to get 40 yards in four seconds, get lined up, get set, spike the ball for the for the, the winner. No, it wasn't going to happen. I thought that that is the biggest overlooked point of this game. Everyone's talking about Kelsey getting open. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, 13 seconds left. You know, how do you leave that with Mahomes? Yeah, I, I get it all. All of that, Tim, you look at. You, you know, well, you know what? They had the timeout. You're right. They could have called the timeout. But giving them eight seconds, they weren't going to get there with eight seconds. And I, I know, well, you know, they didn't have to spike it. They didn't have to do this. They didn't have to do that. They had the timeout. They did. But wouldn't you rather have Patrick Mahomes working with eight seconds as opposed to 13? Even if you're giving up, you know, uh, look, they kicked out of the end zone. So they're getting the ball in the 25-yard line. If you squib kick it and even give up 15 yards there, I'm giving up 15 yards all day for five seconds, Tim. So to me, uh, the uh, that was just a... 
the mind-boggling point. And it wasn't looking back. There, there, there's a chance, and this is not a, a, a crazy guess here. There's a chance that they kick it off with 13 seconds, right? They squib kick it. It, it bounces around for a second, and maybe there's only seven seconds left. With seven seconds left, that's one play. And maybe now Kansas City goes, we're never going to be able to get to the line, even with the timeouts. We're never going to be able to get to the boundary. We're never, we got to just go to the end zone. I mean, there's the, the idea behind that. The, the minute that Patrick Mahomes had 13 seconds from the 25-yard line, the minute that that became a reality, you knew he had two, potentially three plays to kind of get a field goal. I, I thought it was just uh, an, an awful job of coaching at the end of the game there. Besides the Leslie Frazier situation where how do you not double team Travis Kelsey? How do you not cover him? Uh, Tony Romo broke it down just tremendously. Why are you rushing four in a spot where you're just not going to get to him? You you should drop everyone and play a prevent in that spot and give him anything that he wants over the next 25 yards, right? You That's what you should do. You shouldn't rush anybody. Well, don't rush anyone. Rush two. Who cares? So I agree with that. That play calling was bad. The fact that you don't don't cover Travis Kelsey is bad. All of that is terrible by Leslie Frazier, absolutely. But I think the special teams coach really has to be looked at here. And I've given massive praise to Brian Dable, who I want to be the next Bears coach. I, I absolutely love him. Offensively, I've given massive just credit to McDermott, who I think is vastly underrated. Massive. But in this spot, the special teams coach and McDermott made a huge mistake by not squib kicking it. And I just don't understand why the rest of the media isn't kind of picking up on that, Tim. Two years ago in the AFC title game, we kind of said to each other, like, this is the future of the AFC right now. It's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And, and two years later, we're still like, look, this is the future of the AFC, right? You can add a couple other guys in there, but really these are the two guys. And Allen again today, 329 yards, four touchdowns. He had a huge game uh, last week in the playoffs. So when you look at Buffalo heading into the postseason or the offseason, Tom, now they have this the stigma of they can't beat Kansas City, right? They bounced them two of the three past years in the playoffs. Um, Allen is just continuously getting better. What do you do to fine tune the Bill team? They're they're you know, look they're they're going to be in this spot. Kansas City's going to be in this spot the next couple years. What do you do? Do you make it? Is it now at the point where you're like, look, our goal isn't just to win the division or make the playoffs. We need to beat Kansas City at some point in the playoffs. Yeah, they have to. They have to not only beat Kansas City, they, they need to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's just uh, where where we stand here. They've, they've got to go out there, and they need to go win a Super Bowl. Um, Josh Allen, and, and I know that this is going to ruffle some people the wrong way, but here it is. I've been This isn't a new take by me, by the way, because I've been saying this for a couple of years here. Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL, uh, and he's better than Patrick Mahomes. That's it. There it is, guys. I, I mean, it's not earth-shattering. He, let me tell you this. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes today. He outplayed him. The thing that, you know, you look at and you go, well, Patrick Mahomes got the win. He did. Patrick Mahomes' supporting cast is just better than the Buffalo Bills. And Buffalo's got a very good team. Very good team. Uh, but there are some X factors there. As much as I like Stephon Diggs, he's just not Tyreek Hill. As much as I, I think that, you know, uh, Gabriel Davis and Beasley and, uh, you know, Dawson Knox are nice players. They're not Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is just the difference maker. And we saw it again today. Travis Kelsey makes that Kansas City Chiefs run, team run. 
So Hill is better than anything Buffalo can represent on that side. Travis Kelsey is vastly better than anybody's number two, maybe in the NFL. I mean, he's the matchup nightmare at tight end. And that is the difference. Mahomes against Allen. Allen's better. Offensive line against offensive line. Buffalo might might be better. Running back, running back, they're both lacking, but you might even give the, give the nod to Singletary. That's fine. But the, none of that is a giant difference. Mahomes uh, and Allen, toss-up. Offensive lines, kind of a toss-up. Running game, kind of a toss-up. So you start to go, you know, secondary receivers. Well, they got, you know, Pringle and this one. Eh, we got Beasley and you got this. It is, and, and even, even Hill against Diggs. The separation between Hill against Diggs is okay. You know what? If that was if that was uh, the the argument, Tim across the board, you have basically check here, check here, check here, check here, paper thin margin. Now you add Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey is just that much better than anything they can do. On the other side, look, the the Bills defense is is better than Kansas City's. They are, <clears throat> but there are things that the Bills defense did lack in. And one of the big things that, that we have to look at this Bills defense and say that they certainly are lacking and they don't have that guy, right? Go out there and look at the Bills. They have two safeties that are all pros. Okay, when has a safety in since, uh, you know, basically the 90s, <laughs> right? This side of uh, Troy Polamalu uh, and, and Ed Reed, when has a safety really been the guy on defense, right? It's very rare that he's that impactful. If I'm Buffalo... You know you can rush the passer. You need to get guys out in the middle of the field. Matt Milano covering Travis Kelsey is the biggest mismatch. So when I'm constructing my team next year, I, I, I want to run it back with Buffalo. I'm going, I'm running this thing back, right? I'm running it back, but I need something else. Is it going to be that dynamic running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield? Yep, maybe maybe that's what we do. Did I see enough of Devin Singletary this year to make me convinced that uh, that's not what we need? No. Okay, maybe that's what we need. Do we need to get a better tight end than Dawson Knox? Yeah, probably. Or you go out and you go get that number two receiver. Buffalo's going to be working with a little bit of capital here, right? But the, when you look at the salary cap here, Buffalo has a little bit of a position that they could go out there and spend a little bit. And you look at the, you know, the bills and what are their needs? They don't need a lot. So how important would it be for them to go add a number two receiver? I think that that would close the gap. I'm not getting crazy with Buffalo. I think that Buffalo, you know, should run most of this back. This is a very good Buffalo team. They have about 10 million, almost $11 million. I'm looking at the cap space next year. They got about $11 million under the salary cap. All right, that's enough. You don't really need anything else. You don't have many giant free agents that need to be resigned. Go out and get a number two wide receiver. I like Beasley. Gabriel Davis had a four-touchdown game today. It's fantastic. If anybody gets the ball from Josh Allen. But the separation between the two is really Travis Kelsey. And then the game of the day, right, Tom? L.A., Tampa. This one comes down to the final seconds. Cooper Cup, the, obviously the Rams MVP this year, comes up huge in – stopping what would have been the ultimate Tom Brady comeback. They win 30-27. to 27. Just kind of break this game down for us. And really, it, you know, even in a loss, Tom Brady is the star of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tom Brady walks away, and maybe he completely walks away um, angry at himself. He's going to be mad that they didn't do more in the first half. He's going to be mad about how the game played out. You saw Tom Brady taking a cheap shot. 
Uh, he got a 15-yard personal foul penalty uh, where I love to see the energy of Brady. But look, <laughs> everyone goes, well, you know, if they would have breathed on Brady. No, that was an illegal hit under the chin on a, a quarterback that you guys are all sitting back and going, yeah, you know, he gets the benefit of the doubt. Well, he didn't today in a giant spot. But this is a Tampa Bay team that fell apart. They had three 15-yard personal foul penalties in huge spots. But you're right. Brady came back down the field. Brady did what Brady always does. Brady cemented his legacy today. And then the defense kind of allowed the one guy you can't allow. Sounds familiar to the second game, right? If there's one guy on the field at the end of the game with 13 seconds to go, you do not let, you do not let beat you. It's Travis Kelsey. I'm double, triple, and quadruple teaming Travis Kelsey. Well, how about the Rams? If there's one guy I'm not letting get behind the defense, it's Cooper Cup. I mean, there's just no way you're allowing Cooper Cup to be the guy to beat you. And they did. The Tampa Bay defense all year long has had a vulnerability. They've had an Achilles problem. And the Achilles heel of this team has been their secondary is weak. The secondary is weak before it was banged up, but the secondary is weak. It was a problem coming into the year. When we did our preview, uh, Super Bowl previews, I said to you, Tim, I think Tampa Bay comes out of the NFC. But my big concern is that teams are going to be able to pass on them. But teams are going to be able to come out. If they can't get that pass rush with Sue and Vea up front, teams are going to pick this, uh, this secondary part because the secondary just isn't very good. And that's exactly what happened. In their losses this year, it wasn't teams going out there and, and you know abusing them up front. It wasn't teams sitting back in the, in the pocket. No, it was teams just picking apart a bad defensive backfield. And that's what they were. They graded out in the top 10 worst units in all of football. So at the end of the game, their one Achilles heel went out there and burned them. And you can say what you want about McVay, but McVay knew that. I mean, he knew what, exactly what it was. Matthew Stafford knew it. Attack them over the top, attack them deep, attack them uh, for not the small intermediate passes where they could kind of handle and not the double moves which they could handle. Just flat out beat them, and they are not very good at defensive back, and that's what happened today. So with that being said, the defending champs are out. Now the offseason comes. What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the situation here? Is Brady coming or going? If Brady goes, I assume Gronk goes as well. What about Arians? Does Arians want to be there? There's a lot of question marks right now in Tampa. This is the first time in Tom Brady's entire career where I believe that he might walk away. Mm -hmm. This is the first time. Um, I think that Brady looks at, at this and he says, look, I wanted to walk away a champion. I certainly can walk away a champion. But I also I understand the reality. You know, I got beat up here. I, I got injured. Tristan Wirfs being out probably was the difference here. Um, but but I got banged up. I'm in a spot where now he's doing, you know, it, there's, there's certain things that you start to look at about someone's life. And for the first time, I'm seeing Brady in commercials, right? He's doing all kinds of commercials. He's he's on Twitter. All the, He's becoming a personality. We, we're starting to learn who Tom Brady is. He's a funny guy. He's a good guy, right? He's got his own podcast now. He's doing this. He's doing you could see the transition in his mind. And I'm not only talking about sports players, guys. You can see this in any walk of life. You can start to feel someone kind of leaving a job, right? You can start to see them. I don't want to say checking out, but they're already, if somebody has retirement, you know, you talk to somebody that's going to be retired and they have pictures of their Florida home on their desk and they have, you know, uh, you know, pictures of where they're going and they're talking about, oh, you know what? It's going to be the last winter for me. You know, you start to have that conversation. They're, they're already 
there. They're already kind of there. Um, I don't think Tom Brady is that far yet. But it wouldn't take a lot to kind of push him to that edge because I do believe he's come down to Tampa and said, all right, I'm going to be a media guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Maybe there is some life after football because there never has been. Maybe he's starting to see he can be very, very, very happy with life after football. I tend to think he does run it back one more time. I think that Brady, for all that I love Brady, I think he is a lot of a, a lot of bit of a narcissist, right? I think he wants that final season. I think he wants to go into a season where he says, this is my last season, and everyone knows it. I think he wants to go to stadium to stadium and have everybody know it's his last hurrah. I think he wants the hoopla. So, And I think, guess what? I think Gronk wants the same thing, right? I, I, I do. I think Gronk loves the attention. I think Gronk loves it. I think they're going to like to go out there and kind of say, all right, you know what? Here it is. So, you know, it's the first time that I, I've hesitated and said every other year, including last year, I said, no, he's definitely coming back. He's definitely going back. Um, it's the first year I get hesitate and I go, you know, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. But I do think he will. I think he's going to run it back one more time because he wants to say, I'm going to run it back one more time. And I also believe that he looks at the NFC and don't think this doesn't creep into his head and goes, yeah, there really is nobody outside of the Rams that worry me. San Francisco doesn't worry you. I'm sorry. They don't, especially next year when Trey Lance is probably the guy, right? Seattle may lose Russell Wilson. They don't worry me. Arizona, <laughs> that's a joke. Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans, and my own division are laughable jokes. The entire NFC East, I mean, he's not afraid of Dallas, Philly, Washington, or the Giants. Not afraid of the Bears. Not afraid of Minnesota. Certainly not afraid of the, the Lions. So, and he would never be afraid of Aaron Rodgers anyway, but they're even going to lose Aaron Rodgers. So it's basically us against the Rams, and that's it. And Brady's got to think to himself, you know, going to have another successful season. I'm going to be able to win this division pretty much going away, and I'm going to be back in the same spot playing a Rams team where if I would have, you know, basically completed one more pass in the first half, we already advance and we move on, and then we're taking on San Francisco, which I think I'm going to be able to crush. I think he runs it back one more time because he understands the realities. If Brady was in the AFC, Maybe he hangs it up. That was going to be my point is that the division is already – they've already won the division for next year. Let's just put it that way. I'm not taking anything away from the Saints. Or I the, am. The, yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to be nice. The Panthers yeah, obviously – Yeah, take, take it away from the Saints. Yeah. they got Taysom Hill as their starting quarterback, and Sean Payton might leave. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Falcons, we don't even know what's going on there. Matt Ryan probably won't be back, and, and he's old anyways. And then you have the Panthers, who are just a mess. So they've already won the division. Yes. Arian said earlier tonight he's coming back. He's going to be 70. Maybe maybe it is a retirement tour, Tom. Maybe they just gronk and him say, look, we're best friends. We, we, you know, we've played for each other, basically. And we're going to go out one more time together. And we're leaving at the end of this. And maybe Arians goes with him. It's an all-package deal. And, you know, nice little storybook Cinderella ending. I like to think that way, but it's not too far from the truth. Well, Tim, there's also the idea that you have to think people make excuses. You know, if you get into a, a divorce or you're going to leave, if you're going to leave a job, um, don't you find excuses that just they, they might be valuable, but you never would have made those excuses in the past. If you are sitting around and you're a Tampa Bay uh, employee or you're a player and you say, you know what, the reason we lost this year, because we were never really healthy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of truth to that, Tim. You know, it's an excuse, absolutely. And I'm not saying that they lost today because they weren't healthy. But Brady has to look at it and say, look, I didn't have Leonard Fournette for parts of the year. In the championship game, I didn't have my young, uh, you know, 
offensive lineman. Ryan Jensen's been banged up. I lost my number two wide receiver in Godwin. I lost my number three wide receiver in Antonio Brown. I, you know, the defense was banged up all year. Like this team had massive injuries, massive injuries. It was actually the first time the entire defense played all together, you know, in that one uh, game was, which was today. So there was no consistency there as well. Again, I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving you reasons why he might come back because they say, look, we could run it back. I'm going to need a couple of things. You know, I'm going to need a, a healthy receiver. I'm going to need healthy Leonard for now. I'm going to need a couple of things. And it's not easy. To, it's not hard to just turn around. It's very easy to turn around and go, yeah, those are excuses that are going through Tom Brady's head right now. It's one game didn't play well, but the, the overall feel of the season has to be, you know what? This was a struggle this year because of injuries. And I think we lost today because I got sacked so much. I think I got hit in the chin and I was bleeding today because I was dealing with backup offensive linemen. That's not going to happen next year. And that can convince him to come back for one more year. I think he does come back, Tom. I'm with you on that. And it's the, the way you said it best when we opened up the segment was the way he played at the end of that game, it would have been fine for him to just say, this is it. You know, I did everything. I left everything I had out there. And my defense lost that game for us, just like in the Super Bowls, the defense lost those games, right? But I think, uh, like you, I think he still knows he has something left there and there's enough in the tank and he's well-liked by enough players that he may just have one one final run left in him at the age of what, going into this age 46 next year. And you can use it as motivation, can't you, Tim? You know, me, Arians, Gronk, you know, we're all going to do our retirement tour. It's going to be the end. Um, you could use that as motivation. You could kind of say to yourself, okay, uh, you know, that that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to let everybody know. And then Brady gets the, the, the praise. He gets the applause. He gets this. He gets that. And people are going to look at it and say, yeah, and Brady's last year when we all knew he was going out. He went out there and won 13 games, you know, won the division going away. And anything after that is perfectly fine. You know, I believed that two things. I believe that Tom Brady wants two more things. I think that he wants to leave on a high note. That could be a personal high note, Tim. If he would have won the MVP this year, and there's still there's still an opportunity that he can, but I think if he would have won the MVP this year and proven, look, I left after my MVP season, um, I think he may have left. If he would have won the Super Bowl this year, leaving the Super Bowl after his Super Bowl season, I think maybe he leaves. But the way that he went out where he was so close, and a lot of the reason they lost today was because the team just didn't have a fair chance with Tristan Wirfs out. I think that's going to stick in him just a little bit too much, and he's going to go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to roll this back one more time. I'm going to live up to my contract. He'll say something like that. I'm going to live up to my contract. You know, I'm going to live my, you know, have this contract play out, and then I'm going to walk away. Tommy Barton, Tim Bungles, Heat Wave Sports, one hour. Let's close it. When we come back, we will look at the two games that will get you to the Super Bowl in, in three weeks' time. We'll look at the lines, and we'll give our predictions as we move through the last final rounds of the NFL playoffs. It is Heat Wave Sports. It is Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Stay up to date with the latest from the NHL and the Vegas Golden Knights here on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, KKGK Las Vegas. 
The Heat Wave Sports Show is owned and produced by Tim Unglesby. All opinions expressed by the host or guests are their own and are not endorsed by either radio station KRLV Management or any of their advertisers. Like that, we're back. Hour two of Heat Wave Sports here on a Super Sunday night, heading towards that big Super Bowl game coming up in a few weeks' short time, and we'll be on every weekend up through the Super Bowl the rest of the way out. So stay tuned for a double dose of Heat Wave Sports every Saturday and Sunday night right here on Fox Sports Radio, 989 FM, 1340 AM. If you want to interact with us we're over on twitter at hw sports at martin sports or if you still use the thing called the telephone it's 876-1340 that's the heat wave hotline tom i'll let you pick where we want to start do you want to talk nfc title game afc title game you know look i can't believe i looked up so i'm going to do this because of this i looked up and i saw that the nfc championship game was the late game that was the prime time game and i was like what are they doing this is awful for the NFL. This is awful marketing for the NFL. This is something like the Major League Baseball hockey would do, uh, not highlight Mahomes and Burrow. So let's make uh, – uh, uh, let's not make that mistake. Let's start off with the NFC and save the main dish for later on. Okay. NFC title game. This is a 3.30 start next Sunday on Fox. It will be a battle of the NFC West, San Francisco at – the L.A. Rams. This will be game number three between these two teams. Tom, they know each other very, very well. And the Rams opened a four-point favorite. I see it's shaded down to three and a half now. The total right around 46, 46 and a half. Uh, just your initial thoughts on this. I mean, we kind of we kind of looked at the, the Rams situation, but I guess let me start on this. So when I look at the Niners, I just want, I want to bring up this point, and, and we'll go into the actual analysis of the game. But So, in the first two rounds of the of the playoffs, the 49ers have knocked off the NFC East champion in Dallas. Today, or yesterday, they knock off the, the number one overall seed and the North champion in the Packers. And they did it with a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback, Tom, that's averaging in the playoffs 160 yards passing, zero touchdowns. He has zero touchdowns in the playoffs and two interceptions. So it's not Jimmy G that's getting the job done here. It's the, the team of the Niners. Is that a, a huge – is that being overlooked by everybody in the media that loves the Niners so much? Or is it more of, well, Jimmy's going to manage the game for us and not make too many mistakes, Tom, to get us to where we need? Or should this be more magnified that Jimmy Garoppolo is the worst quarterback of the four left and probably a guy that shouldn't be starting in this position right now? He shouldn't, but he wins. You know, sometimes there in sports there's a guy that you go, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. But Jimmy Garoppolo wins. His team does have confidence in him. He, he was a butcher there, you know. But I watched George Kittle miss what I consider an easy touchdown, or in the first quarter, right? I watched Jennings miss an easy first down early on, and you start to look at that and you kind of make excuses for Jimmy G. Um, this is a, a spot where, yeah, the obvious is that Jimmy G is not that guy. Okay, he's not Burrow. He's not Allen. He's not Mahomes. He's not Stafford. He's not that guy. But their team doesn't need him to be. And we said a lot of the same things here, Tim, when he went to the Super Bowl the last time. A lot of the same things going into the, that playoff was, 
well, as long as Jimmy doesn't screw it up for them, you know, they have a chance. And that went all the way to the Super Bowl. And guess what? Jimmy G was was bad in the Super Bowl, but the Niners should have won that game. Right? I mean, the Niners they should have won. They have a team that is built a certain way, and he works for that team. The certain guys just work for certain systems, and Jimmy G just continues to win. The guy just wins. You can say it's despite things, but I'm somebody with accomplishments. One of the reasons why, I, even during the years where you weren't sure, I always took Brady over Manning. I always took Brady over Rodgers because they may be more talented, but I like accomplishments. Jimmy G's got the accomplishments. The guy goes out there and he wins games. That's what he does. So, you know, if you are able to mask the problems of Jimmy G and you make sure that Jimmy G just doesn't put you in a position to lose, yeah, they could go back to the Super Bowl, Tim. And I think that of all the teams that they could face, I think the Rams are the greatest draw for them. Shanahan absolutely owns McVay. Absolutely owns him. He's in their head. The San Francisco Niners are in the Rams' head. You know that. He owns him. And you can do one thing against this Rams' defense uh, that Tampa Bay wasn't able to do because they just don't do it, and that is run the ball. You can run the ball on this team. And they do have problems in space because their linebackers aren't fantastic. You can run the ball, and we watched it today, because they're missing Taylor Rapp, they're starting safety, because, you know, they're missing, uh, uh, you know, they, they had a call of Eric Weddle out of retirement from two weeks. These guys were retired for two years, and now he's starting, he's going to be starting an AFC championship game at safety. You don't have to go after him deep, and that's what everybody thinks about safeties. I, t- I spoke about this on my show pretty much at length this morning on uh, SGN Sports Garden Network. I-, I spoke about this at length. Tim, look. What, what what abused what abused the Rams today? The tight end, right? Gronk had a big day. Gronk was open every anytime you wanted him. What about the flip out to Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette caught like nine, ten balls today. Isn't that right up what San Francisco does? They're right up there, Alley. We're gonna run the ball. We're gonna flip it out to wide receiver or to wide receivers in the flats. We'll flip it out to the running back. We'll go short to George Kittle. That's exactly what they like. So Jimmy Garoppolo might be a problem here, Tim. And he might be the guy that you have to mask. And you might say Trent Dilfer with his name and all that. But, Tim, this matchup against the Rams is kind of absolutely perfect for the Niners. You couldn't have asked for a better opponent from them. By surviving in that weather in Green Bay, now they're back into common common ground, I I guess you could say, because I don't think that we saw the last time they played in SoFi. It was a, a very heavy 49er crowd for that road game, right, Tom? And a team they know they can beat because they've done it. Um, it. It's a very, it's a very interesting game, and you know I'm not, I don't want to dwell on, on Garoppolo. It's more of a, just a thought in that, you know, looking towards the future, whether they win or lose, and and even if they win next week, Tom, go to the Super Bowl, and maybe they even find a way to win there with him not having these these uh, star performance games. He's just, like you said, maybe he just wins. He does carry a $24 million tag next year, Tom, and I hate to go back to this guy again, but we, we heard about it in, in the offseason, in last offseason. Is there a way that Aaron Rodgers can find his way back to the Northern California and be the quarterback in San Francisco next year? I don't think there's any chance because they, they've already just used draft capital on Trey Lance. Trey Lance is the okay. guy. <clears throat> um, maybe Trey Lance isn't ready, and they run it back with Garoppolo one more time, and they say, you know what? Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy his entire career. 
<laughs> right? He did last year, and uh, relatively, meaning this year. Uh, and we can use him for as much as he gives us. Maybe they do that. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing somewhere else, even if he wins the Super Bowl. It'll be a really unique situation to watch somebody go out there and take Jimmy G uh, after winning the Super Bowl. But there are teams that may need him. You know, you think about Minnesota might be getting rid of um, uh, Kirk Cousins. You look at a team like Washington, they need somebody. Well, he fits pretty perfectly with Washington. The New York Giants, they have hopes of Russell Wilson. But if they don't land Russ, maybe he goes there. Well, you know what? Look, I just said Russell Wilson. Seattle might be looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, there there will be openings. I just don't think that's it. Jimmy G is going to be a guy that is going to be long here for the Niners. They may run him back one more year. But overall, I don't think that they're going to be able to run him back. It's going to be very interesting to see if he takes him again to a Super Bowl, what the narrative all of a sudden becomes. Because I think that they do have a good shot. Look, I'm telling you this from a handicapper standpoint, right? And this is something I'm going to mention on my podcast. Guys, go check out the uh, podcast, Believe in Betting and uh, Wagering Week. I'm going to mention this on my podcast this week. I'm going to try to bring in um, Eric Davis, who is the the longtime 49er, to try to have a conversation about this. Because I'm telling you this from a handicapper standpoint, I would be pounding the 49ers all day long, money line, plus the six and a half, plus the seven, whatever it is. I would be all over the Niners if I knew Debo Samuel was was not injured. Debo looked bad. He was limping off the field. He That that was bad. As a matter of fact, two or three Niners actually were walking and limping off the field. But if I knew they were healthy, I'm taking Jimmy G all day. So doesn't that tell you something about it? You know, and it's got to tell you something about Jimmy Garoppolo that I feel confident with him running this offense enough, and I think that they do as well. During the regular season, San Francisco beat the Rams 31-10 at home. And then again in Week 18, to, to make it to the – they had to win the game to make the playoffs. They do it 27-24 in an exciting Week 18. In a game matchup. they were down 17 nothing. 17 nothing, Basically done and done for a great second half that Garoppolo actually did lead them, Tom, in the second half to that win. Puts them in the playoffs. So I'll bring up the old adage, and, and you could break that one down whether you, you believe in these these uh, theories or not. And then, okay, we'll, we'll start it with this way. So the old adage is, Tom, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. Does that hold water at any point when you discuss uh, rivalries? And now we're talking about a playoff game. It's a completely different situation because in week 18, I would say the, the 49ers were already in playoff mode. They had to win, right? Well, now the Rams are in playoff mode. So what happens in Week 18, and what do the Rams need to do to get that first win against San Francisco this year? Tim, I've heard that saying for years. I've heard that be repeated year after year after year, and I I believed it myself. I talked to coaches who said, you know, it's hard to be a team three times in a year. I talked to players that go, hey, it's hard to be a team twice in a year. Yeah, forget about three times a year. And then I did the research, Tim, and you go back, and it's not that hard. (laughs) <laughs> it's it it's about what you'd expect. It's about 50-50 um, where the, there's no decided advantage to not beating a team three times. I go back even further than that. It's not just beating a team three times, Tim. Go do the, the math on since McFay's got there. He can't beat Shanahan. He can't beat him with consistency. Shanahan just absolutely outgame plans him and beats him. Now, you can sit back and say, well, in the past they didn't have Uh, Matt Stafford. No, but twice this year they did. And like you said, Tim, well, in that final week, you know, the Rams were 
uh, well, not playing for anything, and San Francisco is playing for their lives. True, but you had a 17-point lead. You you watch a 17-point lead evaporate with a guy that might not have a job on this team next year, with a guy that might not be a starting quarterback in the league next year. You watch a 17-point lead evaporate with a San Francisco team that was dead and buried and out of the way in a game that, yeah, even if you didn't care going in, you're up 17. You can't let that game slip away going into the playoffs. I mean, I, I, I don't discredit that game the way that you do. I look at the first game. San Francisco, to me, dominated, completely dominated on facets of that game that were just unbelievable. And now, all of a sudden, you look at it, and like I said, there are certain times where X's and O's just matter, and certain teams just match up really well with other teams. You know, certain teams just, you look at it, you go, wow, that team does that really well. That team does this really well. Well, what the Niners do and what the Rams struggle with just matches up perfectly. You lose two of your starting safeties. They have problems defending the tight end. That's George Kittle. They have problems def- defending the short flip-out pass and the flip-out pass to the running backs. That's Eli Mitchell. That's Debo Samuel. That's everything the Niners want to do. So maybe it's not just Shatterhand against McVay. Maybe it's the fact that it's a scheme thing and the Rams are, are not good against San Francisco. With all that said, Tim, I think it's very obvious to everybody out there. San Francisco is... Definitely up against it here. The Rams are the much better team. The Rams have the better quarterback. The Rams have the better defense. The Rams are the, they must certainly have the better wide receivers. The Rams have home field advantage. The Rams are the better team. And the Rams should be playing in the Super Bowl. But there are a lot of times where you look back and you go, certain players own certain teams, certain defenses, certain coordinators own other coordinators, certain coaches own certain coaches. And the Niners own the Rams. How did the Rams win this game then? Did they, you know, they, they made a big statement today in the pregame show about Cam Akers' availability uh, after being injured, and he ran for two yards of carry. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll give that credit to Tampa Bay defense if you want to. But is this a situation where – and we know McVay's the offensive genius, right, Tom? So – does he go out there and try to fight fire with fire as we've seen him try to do already twice this year? Or does he slow this down and maybe play old school playoff football here, run the ball, establish a game, then use his tools? Because we saw Cup, Cups, Cup for me is the difference maker, whereas Samuel is also the difference maker. But Samuel's banged up, like you said. Those are the guys that, that break this game open in one way or the other. But do you maybe want to come out and, and play some old school football and start Acres and, and Sonny Michelle and just kind of eat up the clock and eat them up and then start when you have to make the big pass plays? Or do they just come out and play McVay football and try to just win this game? I, if I'm the Rams, I come out firing and I try to take away the running game. You know, I know they came back from 17 nothing, but I don't see that happening again. I'm selling out on the run. I'm telling these, these safeties that are not prepared for the pass – we don't, we don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, we just want to stop the run. Make Jimmy Garoppolo beat us through the air. He might do it, and we might have to adjust at the half, but make him, make him do it and make him do it early. Sell out on stopping Eli Mitchell. Sell out. I'm double, triple teaming Debo Samuel. Let a guy like Brandon Ayuk, he had a good second half of the season, let a guy like Brandon Ayuk be the guy to beat us. Right. Let their pass, their deep passing, let them beat us, get behind us on the defense. And, and 
you know, you look at a, a thing like Jimmy, you know, a, a spot like Jimmy Garoppolo. Make Jimmy Garoppolo make those throws. That's what I'm daring them to do. Because here's the thing. If we get behind, if I'm Sean McVay, I'm saying, if we get behind 10 nothing, guys, if we get behind two scores, 14 nothing. I'm confident in our offense to be able to throw it downfield and be able to get back into this thing. I don't think that they're going to be able to. I don't think that that's going to be a spot. So, no, I don't go old school. I go big. I go over the top. I try to shut this out or nice and early, and I just hammer that dagger. And if Debo Samuel is out of this game, Tim, you know, it's one more guy in the box. I'm, I'm loading nine in the box. Nine in the box, you know, uh, have a spy on George Kittle and just say, okay, Jimmy, we're giving you the field one-on-one through the rest of the entire field one-on-one we're we're selling out against the run you got to go out there you got to beat us and and i just don't know if jimmy can do that so early thoughts the line opened at four tom i see it's shaded down to three and a half now i see the total 46 and a half just any initial thoughts on the line or, or the total you know, I've watched it go up in some spots as well, Tim. It, in a couple of the online books, it opened up at six and a half, um, quickly falling pretty pretty quickly after that. I know that well, we're going to talk about the next game, kind of the same movement there. And it has fallen down to three and a half. There's still some fours out there that you're able to grab. I'm going to be watching this line movement with the injuries. I can't make a play today because I watched so many Niners leave the field hobbled. And Debo Samuel, to me, is that X factor. Debo Samuel has to be healthy. He's a running back in a wide receiver body, but he's also a wide receiver. He can do so many things out there. If Debo Samuel is less than 50% here, uh, you know, even if he tries to give it a go, they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. So I'm going to be watching his practices, watching Debo Samuel. If I knew Debo was healthy, I'm all over the Niners. I'm on the Niners plus the points and Niners money line. If Debo's out, the Rams are going to win and probably win going away. You had a great season on on player props during the the regular season. Maybe I know there's no none really to look at right now yet, but anything that you can foreshadow and say you're looking at these players for some personal props in this game. Yeah, I think Eli Mitchell catching the ball out of the backfield. We just watched Leonard Fournette pick them apart doing that, and they may sell out on the run, but that's where you get screen passes and things like that beat the Rams with the over-aggressiveness who are going to be coming after Jimmy G and they're going to be blitzing and everything else. Lots of screen passes. And you're going to set it at a relatively decent number. Today, Leonard Fournette's over-under was four and a half. He had, I think he finished with nine catches. I expect Eli Mitchell will probably be at five and a half, maybe six, and he's probably going to finish off with eight or nine catches. So I kind of, I'd be kind of looking at that. Um, I'd be, if Debo's out, I'm looking at George Kittle under. George Kittle is used to block a lot, and they ask him to stay in and block a lot. And George Kittle is the public name. Everybody expects him to do well, and he can take advantage of these safeties. The problem is, is that they're going to be zeroed in on him. If you're going to do- double defend anybody, if Debo's out, who are you double defending? George Kittle. And they're, they're, I think his line is going to be set relatively high. I think you're going to be looking at George Kittle. At, you know, you look at Gronk was five and a half today. You're going to be looking at George Kittle at maybe five and a half or six catches. I don't think he gets there if Debo Samuel is out. On the other side, you know, it's easy to say Cooper Cup, but the line will be just exasperated because of what he is. Odell Beckham's yards has been a pretty good solid bet over the last couple of weeks. It was set today at 50. Uh, it was 50, 50 and a half, depending on where you're looking. I don't like his receptions, but when they do go to Odell Beckham, because his receptions are, you know, four or five, 
when they do go to him, it's usually a pretty big pass play. If you give me Odell Beckham again in that 50-55 range, I'll be taking Odell Beckham over as well. You had a, a winner with with Derrick Henry yesterday on a, on a touchdown prop. Can't they be all that easy to him? Wouldn't it just be great if they were all that easy? Yeah, well, <laughs> so sometimes they are. You know, I mean, I had uh, uh, earlier today, I had you know Josh Allen rushing total, of course, and Josh Allen over one and a half touchdown passes. I, I thought it was just a layup. So sometimes, sometimes they are that easy, Tim. But you know, you also look at this and you go, Devin Singletary, um, his total, and this was a, a lot. It total opened up at rushing yards over fifty-one and a half. Got pounded so much it went off at sixty-three. He didn't come close. I mean, so sometimes you, you, even the layups don't really pan out to be layups, right? Tim Ungles will be Tom Barton. He waves sports. Final timeout. When we return, the AFC Championship game. We'll look at that, the line, the analysis, and we'll get you your uh, who's playing in the Super Bowl. We'll talk about it. All on the other side of the break. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Are you aware approximately 15% of all babies have complicated births? Time to make a difference. Positively Kids is here to help. Hello, I'm Fred Schultz, CEO of Positively Kids. For over 20 years, our local nonprofit has provided care to thousands of children in Southern Nevada. Our mission is to help children with critical health care needs so they can reach their full potential. Please visit PositivelyKids.org to find out more about the services we provide and how they may be able to help a child you know or how you may be able to help us. Check out PositivelyKids.org. Board of Subs is celebrating 50 years as your neighborhood sandwich shop. And after 50 years, every sub we make is still sliced fresh, served on fresh baked bread, and topped with the taste you crave. Visit your neighborhood Port of Subs today or order online at portofsubs.com for pickup or delivery. Finley Mazda in the Valley Auto Mall is giving you a chance to hit the slopes. Right now, while supplies last, anyone that test drives any new Mazda will receive a midweek lift ticket to Brian Head Resort. And register at Finley Mazda for your chance to win a grand prize weekend at Brian Head Resort, including lift tickets, two night accommodations at the Best Western Premier, and two high-performance Kemper snowboards, including Kemper bindings, courtesy of Sin City Snowboard Shop. Come register now at Finley Mazda. When you order your Walgreens prescriptions with same-day delivery, it's possible you'll experience some side effects. Side effects may include joy that you won't run out of your pills and disbelief at just how crazy fast the delivery came right to your door. Get your same-day prescription refill today on the Walgreens app. To use same-day Rx delivery or one-to-two business day delivery, you must be opted into prescription status alerts. It will appear as an option of orders before that store's cutoff time for the day. Certain health plans do not cover or participate in same-day Rx delivery. Check with your health plan for further details. Excludes California. See your Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday, March 17th against Florida in the Flight Deck. Presented by Allegiant. The Flight Deck is where all the off-the-ice excitement happens, from the Knights Castle to the Night Line. Tickets in the Flight Deck are standing room only and include all-you-can-eat food, beer, and wine. Tickets start at just $160. Go to lvsportsnetwork.com for the link and use the promo code RADIO. Sponsored by Lerner and Rowe Injury Attorneys and West Star Credit Union. Resale transfer are restricted. Tickets will be delivered by a mobile 48 hours before the game. Hey, it's Scooter from Sporting Life. We have a new bar called Home Field, and it's right in the middle of town. 
and home field is the new home for my Ohio State Buckeyes. Home field has everything for the sports fan, including amazing food, 30 TVs, sports ticker, and personal speakers so you can listen to your game. Home field is located at Sahara and Decatur. Just look for the big green sign. Remember all those big dreams you used to have and then life made other plans? With a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, it's time to bring those dreams back. Start your own business or commit to van life with a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Now, you could win the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Mode 4x4 that we have. Enter the Dan Patrick Show Ultimate Camping Rig Sweepstakes. To enter, get official rules. Visit danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com. Have to do it by February 2nd for your chance to win. When it comes to luxury, no one does it better than Findlay Cadillac in the Valley Auto Mall. From the exceptional crossover XT4 to the superb CT sedan and Escalade, the highest standards in automotive craftsmanship are found at Findlay Cadillac. To place your order, visit their award-winning showroom and choose from their full inventory of new and certified pre-owned vehicles that are available for immediate delivery. Or visit them online at FindlayCadillac.com to place your reservation. If you're thinking Cadillac, think Finley Cadillac in the Valley Auto Mall. Brakes Only Mobile Services Shop is where you are. But if it ain't broke, we don't want to fix it. Brakes Only will fix brakes on domestic and foreign cars, medium and heavy-duty trucks, and business fleets. Tires? Nope. Oil changes? Nope. We service brakes only. Call 888-493-3666 to set up your brake job now. Or visit us at brakesonly.net. We do not service bicycles, rollerblades, or construction equipment, as we could be crushed and it would be you to blame. We take cash, credit, Venmo, and Zell. Tips and gift cards, prepaid cards, thank you cards with gift certificates to fast food joints or restaurants. We are ADA approved since we come to your place. We love pets and they may choose us over you. Juice boxes are our favorite. I'm attorney Kevin Rowe. Some people don't want to hire a lawyer after a car wreck because they feel sorry for the person who hit them because they think the at-fault driver will actually be the one who has to pay. The truth is, in most cases we handle, the insurance company pays for the at-fault driver's lawyers, court costs, settlement, or verdict. The at-fault driver doesn't pay anything. In court, the jury is never allowed to hear this. So if you're hurt in a wreck, make one call. That's all. Murdering Rowe is the way to go. Call 877 Randy Westbrook, managing attorney. This is JT for Grimaldi's Pizzeria, cold-fired brick oven pizza, a must-have for anyone craving great pizza. Locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at GrimaldisPizzeria.com. Look at the AFC title game. Next Sunday, between Cincinnati and Kansas City. And, Tommy, before we look at the actual game itself, kind of walk us through yesterday's 19-16 win for the Bengals over Tennessee. So, in in the first round, they get their first playoff win in years over the Raiders. And now they progress again in week two. Uh, just a, it was a hard-fought win. I know we talked about the Tennessee side of it in hour one. What did you take away from from the Bengals here other than the, the decision two years ago when Joe Burrow had input in saying, look, we have this high pick. I want my guy, Chase. That so far has panned out for them, right, Tom? Whether it was the right move at the time or not, it's panned, it's panned out for them. But what did you think of yesterday's game? Was it more uh, – what did you see from Cincinnati so far in the first two rounds of the playoffs? <laughs> okay, here's my uh, – we don't do a lot of clickbait here, Tim. Here's my clickbait. Uh, it didn't pan out for them. 
No, mm. it didn't. You can tell me that it did, but I'm going to sit back and I'm going to say that Jimmy, uh, I mean, uh, Joe Burrow has already had knee surgery because his offensive line couldn't block for him. Uh, he was sacked 51 times this year, led the NFL in getting sacked. Penny Suo uh, is, is basically an all-pro already, and that was the guy that they probably should have picked over him. I think that if Jamar Chase wasn't here, T. Higgins would be having that kind of game, and Tyler Bordy would be having that kind of game. So I think this is all about Joe Burrow and being able to protect him. He was sacked nine, nine times in a win. I can't even make heads or tails about how Cincinnati is in this position, not because I don't you know, absolutely think that they are a talented team. But, Tim, they have major, major flaws on that team. First of all, they beat Tennessee, and they beat Derrick Henry in Tennessee. With They're starting two defensive linemen. One of them was an all-pro. Two defensive linemen were out of that game, okay? They, they still beat them. Their offensive line is atrocious. There's no other way to put it. They are horrendous offensive line. They still beat them. Joe Mixon hasn't had – he's had one – 100-yard game since, like, Thanksgiving. He's got one game over 65 yards, actually, since Thanksgiving. Everybody likes Joe Mixon. Guy, he's not running the ball like he should. This team <clears throat> drops passes, can't protect the quarterback. Their defense is basically put together uh, with, uh, you know, duct tape. Zach Taylor, I, I think the jury's still out on him. There's no coordinators on that staff that are getting looked at as head coaches, right? Tim, it's all about one guy. It's all about Joe Burrow. I mean, and he is taking this team that far. That's what I think about it. I, I'm stunned that they were able to beat the Titans because of their injuries, because of their matchups, because of what this team was. And they, the game played out exactly how I imagined the game to play out. Joe Burrow under constant duress. Harold Landry, if you guys remember, how much did I hype up Harold Landry, right? Harold Landry. Just living in the backfield, absolutely suffocating him. He was sacked nine times. You don't win games if you're sacked nine times. You don't make it through seasons if you're sacked 51 times. Both of those things happen, and it's all about Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow's toughness. That's it. I mean, it's hard to uh, to evaluate a team where none of it makes sense. And it just doesn't make sense that Cincinnati is in this spot because they shouldn't be. Their defense is banged up. They're... Two big-time defensive linemen are out, yet they still shut down the running game and shut down this Tennessee team. They, they are, their offense is allowing nine sacks, yet Joe Burrow is able to hang in there with seconds to go and deliver the pass that is needed. Cincinnati doesn't make any sense, Tim. And sometimes those teams that don't make any sense, they're the most dangerous teams because you just it, there's something about them. There's something about this Cincinnati team, something about Joe Burrow that you just can't quite put your finger on. So with that being said, Tom, next week, Arrowhead Stadium, AFC title game, it's those Bengals against the Chiefs. And here we go. Opening line seven, Tom, 54 the total. I think this is a fair number. Um, and I do believe that while I believe that Tennessee was a bad matchup for the Bengals, I actually think that Kansas City is a decent matchup for them. Uh, it's a decent matchup on the offense for 60 yards, um, you know, it, 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 the last time out. Other than that, I mean, he's he's a 4-5 catch guy. Now, he gets sometimes he gets those pop games, you know, those 12 catch games, those 15 catch games, those 10 catch games. You know, he gets those big pop games. He actually had two of them uh, this year against Seattle. So two of his three double digits came against Seattle. Well, that's a matchup kind of thing. You know, 
But overall, four, five, three, six, he's not blowing anybody out of the water. And that, that's kind of concerning to me. Against the um, the Rams, by the way, seven for 50 in the 31-10 win. Um, and in the, the, the last game of the year, seven for 10. But he had seven targets, only five receptions. Without, uh, straight up, no spreads involved here. Straight up, who's winning these games, who's playing in the Super Bowl in three weeks' time. I mean, I think it's Kansas City Rams. Um, yeah. I, I really hope that it's not. It's the most unappealing, um, you know, it's the most unappealing matchup that you could possibly give me. You know, I, I know that people like it. I know that it's going to be the Stafford conversation. I know it's going to be back to being Mahomes. I, I just, I, I can't get behind that. I, we've seen these teams. We've seen it. With, I want something new. I want Cincinnati. I'd love to see Cincinnati in there. Um, I, San Francisco is a fun team to kind of root for. And it's not, I'm not somebody that roots for the underdogs. I think we're getting KC, Rams. There's an outside shot that this is just that Cinderella year for Cincinnati. And there's, there's the idea that, look, at the end of the day, Sean McVay, and not only Sean McVay, let's, let's put some respect on Jimmy Garoppolo's team. Jimmy Garoppolo is 7-0. and against Sean McVay. 7-0. and Tim, as a matter of fact, the Niners have beaten the Rams six times in a row. You know who lost to the Rams over the last six years? C.J. Beathard, Mullins, and Hoyer. <laughs> so when Jimmy Garoppolo's playing, they beat the Rams. Could I see that happening? Sure. And, and you know, I'm, I could sit back and dream of what is it, a 1988 or what is it, a 1990 Super Bowl with San Francisco, Cincinnati. That would be great. I can sit back and dream of that. I just don't think we're going to get it. I think it's going to be Rams, KC. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's it's Rams, KC as well. And, and I will enjoy that game much as I would enjoy if we had an old school 49er Bengal matchup in the Super Bowl again. That would be great as well. And you can even go the other way, right, Tom? Rams, Bengals would be great. And uh, Niners, well, if I saw Niners and KC again, I think that's my least preferred of the four matches. I, I don't want to see that one again. Yeah, we just saw that. Yeah, we, we just – you know, it, it kind of stinks because I did have – and I had you know a Bills ticket in the preseason. I told you guys I had Bills-Tampa, Bills beating Tampa. So I was pumped up. Maybe I'm just down. I just feel like these four teams are just unappealing. Like, we got to see Kansas City again. All right. You know, all right, well – the Jimmy G show, oh, okay, you know. Uh, the Rams, oh, well, they bought their way to a championship, brought in a bunch of guys that are, you can't even root for. Uh, anybody want to see Odell celebrating on the field? I mean, get out of here. Cincinnati's the only team I'm kind of rooting for here. Cincinnati's yeah. the only team where I'm like, yeah. And and to be honest with you, I, I just don't think their head coach deserves a championship, right? right. I mean, I love Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I don't want to see Joe Mixon anything good happen to that that guy. He's, just, he's a bad guy. So, I mean, I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. Outside of that, I feel like this is going to be one of the least appealing Super Bowls in a while. I, I, I do. And they're going to hype it up, man. If the Rams, KC, oh, this is it. Oh, I mean, they, it's going to be at a fever pitch of trying to hype that game up in SoFi, L.A. this and L.A. that. Here's a little, uh, a little reminder to everybody that lives outside L.A. We don't care about your sports teams. We really don't. I mean, Colin Coward, I, I watch him during the day, and he's like, oh, he's got the best sports teams, really? Uh, you know, not not so much, Colin. You know, if you're talking about championship cities at this point, it's Tampa Bay, right? It's not L.A. Uh, they they do well. They buy a lot of talent. They have a lot of superstars. 
but they kind of come crashing down. Uh, and you could say that about the Dodgers. You could say it about the Lakers. You could say it about uh, maybe the Rams here. But the Rams went out there. They are the story because they, if you told me before the year began, it was going to be Casey Rams. I think everybody would have said, sure, absolutely. They went out there. They bought Von Miller. They bought Odell Beckham. They bought Stafford. They mortgaged their entire future. I don't think they have a draft pick for the next 10 years, right? They entire, mortgaged their entire future for, for this. So I get it if the Rams go. I mean, there, there's some appeal there. And it, it's the L.A. market. Kansas City, eh, they're trying to build a dynasty. I get it. it. But this Kansas City team isn't that dominating team. And I think we all know that. So I want to see some new blood. I want to see San Francisco-Cincinnati. That, that is my favorite matchup. I'll take... Just for a, from a, a aesthetics standpoint, you know, I don't mind a Cincinnati uh, Rams kind of situation. Imagine the color scheme of the Cincinnati Rams being on the same field. That'll be, you know, entertaining. Um, but yeah, Casey, San Francisco, nobody wants to see that again. No. And in one week's time, we'll talk about who's playing Super Bowl Fifty Six as those games will go off next Sunday, twelve and three thirty scheduled for your NFL Championship games. Top switch. Switch over to the baseball ball cap real quick, and we're going to end the show with a little baseball talk here as we're coming up to some important dates for there to be no type of uh, delay in what we're moving towards an opening day. And we're talking about, of course, the work stoppage in Major League Baseball right now. I know supposedly tomorrow, uh, again, discussing to try to put an end to this, but for a full spring training, Tom, February 1 is the date, right? The The first exhibition games are scheduled to begin about a month from now, February the 26th. So we're really getting into uh, timetables here. We need, so in order to have full spring training, February 1, in order to have a, a full exhibition schedule played, February 7 is the target date. And to, to hit off opening day on time, March 1 would be the last day possible to to get this done. What have you heard? What's going on? Are we are we going to be delayed? Or are they going to get this figured out? Tim, when you're talking to insiders, right, baseball insiders, we'll call them, or any insiders in any sport, always listen to exactly what people are saying. <laughs> because I've been saying for a while, I said, you know, all I keep hearing from everybody baseball insider that I talk to is that we will not miss regular season games this year. And, and at the time, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, all right, so this is going to be perfectly fine. And then... There's no urgency here. No one's dragging this out. There's no urgency to meet. They're, they're, they're going to meet only for the second time since December, tomorrow. There's no urgency of, okay, we have to hammer something out. There's no immediate, all right, look, th this has got to happen. No, we don't have that. And all I keep hearing from baseball insiders is, don't worry, we're not going to miss regular season games. Isn't that a funny way to say we're not going to miss time? I, I, I asked them, are you going to miss time? We're not going to miss regular season games. That's a funny answer to a straightforward question, right? Because they didn't say, we're not going to miss time. At this point where I stand, and I, I put this out on, on Twitter the other day, I said, I really, you know, really starting to get nervous here. I don't think that they start on time. I don't think that um, we're going to miss regular season games either. So I think we're going to be somewhere in the middle. Tomorrow's meeting is going to be very telling. The last meeting, they walked out. And every single person that I know that, that has any kind of familiarity with the situation turned around and they were like, yeah, that was completely unproductive. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was there was no movement at all. It, tomorrow, I want to hear 
from the people that, that are in the know. I want to hear. All right. They made some movement. You know, it was good discussions. Okay. Having conversations. We haven't heard that yet. So I do think that they're going to miss this February 1 deadline. I do believe that spring training catchers, pitchers and catchers reporting is going to be delayed. But I don't think we miss regular season games. And Tim, to be honest, I don't even think that we miss, you know, real spring training games. So maybe this doesn't get done during the time the pitchers and catchers are supposed to report, but it gets done a little bit later on in the, you know, in February. But I don't expect March 1st, I expect to have a deal. March 1st, I expect everybody to kind of come to their senses here. But this could be a long and grueling and annoying February. Which is it's kind of disappointing after, you know, the season that Major League Baseball just had. To to have this looming is not what they want to do. I, I'm with you. I think it gets done, obviously. We don't miss But they don't care, Tim, because they're not losing yeah. revenue right now, right? right? Right, exactly. Speaking of revenue, speaking of money, in, in the last uh, couple minutes here, Tom, Carlos Correa switched agents. He's now with Mr. Moneybag Scott Boris. Is this any indication of where he possibly could go, or is this more of like, hey, I'm getting my $300 million? He was angry uh, from what I'm hearing, okay? He was angry that um, the Tigers' offer was the highest offer, and the Tigers' offer was as low as it came in. Mm-hmm. He was angry at the process where he has to hear the people saying the things that I've been saying. Carlos Correa, while, while massively talented, is a two seventy five hitter. That's not really a 30 home run threat, not really a 100 RBI threat, not really a 100 runs threat, right? And and who's going to go out there and give this guy that much money? I mean, his career has been riddled with injuries. His career has been, he's a bad guy. He's taken on the, 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 you know, the, the bad guy persona and all that. Yeah, I mean, Carlos Correa's market is where I think Carlos Correa's market should be. This is a 275, maybe a 280, 20 to 25 homer. 85 RBI, 85 run type of player uh, that you shouldn't be demanding Mike Trout type money, Bryce Harper type money, Manny Machado type money. You're not that player. And, and I think that he didn't like hearing that. Though what I have been hearing is that the Detroit Tigers were the leading candidates. They came in with the biggest offer, which means the Yankees didn't come in with an offer that everybody thought that they would. No, the Tigers were the biggest offer. And their offer was less than what he wanted. So they said, okay, you know what? You think you're that much better? We'll go get Javi Baez. And and that was where the Tigers kind of rotated. I also am hearing that a lot of these teams are now drying up. A lot of the opportunities are drying up. He really is hoping that the Yankees come in over the top. The Yankees are steadfast in, in not going after kind of that number one big guy and, and just locking him up long term. The Angels are still potentially in play. That's a conversation that I'm hearing. But a lot of the big names are out of this. Look, Boston's out. The Dodgers seem like they are definitely out. You look at the Cubs, they're not involved. The Mets don't want any part of it. So I, I think it's a short market for Carlos Correa. Tom, always a great show when you're on a solid two hours tonight. Let everybody know about the website. Let everybody know about the podcast. you got a national radio show. And my favorite thing you've been doing, YouTube, man. Those videos are killer. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And don't forget TomBartonSports.com. I am having an absolutely dominating month here, guys. A dominating month. Um, I'm hitting well over 70% for this month and, and because college basketball is just in my wheelhouse. Now, I love it. I love conference play. You get all of that at TomBartonSports.com for less than 100 bucks. You sign up. You get 30 full days. It's TomBartonSports.com. 
on top of that, yeah, go check out the YouTube channel. Look, I just uh, did a video last night talking about Joe Burrow and Aaron Rodgers. It's reaction videos. I go over some things, topics in sports. I'm going to have one this week about the Hall of Fame. So it's things differently than just the sports betting angle. I can use all the subscriptions I can get. Please make sure you subscribe. Make sure you go like it. Tell your friends. Go check that out. And then, yeah, if you want to listen to the podcast, guys, it's Wagering Week and it's Wanna Bet. Uh, you look at both of them, believe in betting. And then I have my own podcast. So anybody that does listen, I know that this is such a niche thing, but I'll throw it out out there uh, to anybody. We're, we're actually doing pretty well with it, is believe in the Ivy League. So I talk about the Ivy League sports, and if your sport's better, it's a conference that I can say that not only me, but sportsbook directors have told me on the air. Some of the biggest sportsbook directors in Las Vegas have told me on the air on microphone, I am the greatest Ivy League handicapper in the country. They've told me that. So we do get into a little bit of sports betting there. I go over what happens in the Ivy League. It's another way to make some money. So go check it out, guys. If you check me out, go Tom Barton Sports over on the podcast. I could use the help there. I could absolutely use the help on the YouTube channel. And, of course, TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, rest up. We're, uh, we're doing double duty all the way through the Super Bowl from here on out. As we should be. I cannot wait. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think we're probably going to be on location for the Super Bowl, but I expect another great, great Super Bowl show, even though the participants may not be to my liking. <laughs> All right, Tom. Have a great week. We'll talk to you Saturday night, my man. All right. Have a good one, everybody. That'll wrap it up for tonight for Tom Barton. For my man Brian there in the studio, Tim Bunglesby. Have a great sports week. We're back Saturday night, 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. Until then, have a good one. This is what it takes. That's the difference. I've been waiting for this all my life. It's my time. I never hesitate. I'll take down, stand my ground. Look at all the valleys that I made it through. You're looking at somebody with too much to lose. The sacrifice is made every day. The Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Weekdays at 4 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. KKGK Las Vegas.